What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patchy and I'm here with my co-host, Dave Martinson. Dave, Kanye West, the leader of our times, kicking off the podcast again. The dude will not stop tweeting. A lot of different responses to Kanye. You know, we talked a little bit about how he's been dropping his philosophies on life. Shortly after we recorded our last podcast, he decided to tweet about Donald Trump and his support for Trump. Kanye lost like 10 million followers, which I don't think was all about the Trump stuff. I think some of it was, but I think it was also like he had bought followers and just happened to like expire around that time, something like that. But what is your take on Kanye's whole political ideologies that he's been kind of throwing out there recently? Obviously, we've talked about Kanye a lot on this pod when it comes up. Obviously, our second episode was the Life of Pablo review, his last album. And when things come up like his Wyoming recording sessions, we bring them up. But this, you know, this is not fun to to hear or anything, but I, I haven't gotten too worked up about it. And this is kind of the point I've been trying to hammer home with people is that Kanye has always been a self-centered, arrogant guy. He always has thought he was smarter than he was or more talented than he was. And that's despite the fact that he's very talented, but his ego is tremendous. Um, obviously, his fashion pursuits definitely fit, fit along with that. But it's not like he's out there giving right-wing policy points he's not tweeting like ben shapiro he's not tweeting like the right-wing youtube people he's now friends with he's tweeting like existentation with his philosophy quotes the problem of course is that people look up to him and he's very famous so he's still a voice box and the right-wing people would love to take advantage of him but there's no evidence that kanye is like like i have no i have nothing to based off his actual views, just the people that he's associating with. I'll still stick to liking his music and not liking his personality. Nothing has really changed for me. And he follows up dropping these with a song, which he kind of just dropped out of nowhere, called Ye vs. the People, featuring T.I. as the people. Not a great Kanye track, but still a pretty decent hook, which makes me very excited for the album. Yeah, decent beat. T.I.'s verses on this were just incredibly clunky and obviously just serving to whatever point Kanye convinced him to be a part of this but i agree with you and i think anyone that looks to kanye west to be like a cultural leader or a political leader is just misguided because this is a person that i think when he first was coming up had a lot of progressive beliefs and was a a voice around some important topics you know there's an interview of him talking about the way that gay people are were talked about and probably still are talked about in hip-hop culture and how I think and he talked about how artists need to try to change that discussion. And that's something I agree with. And I think it, he had some very well thought out points on mm-hmm. that. That was over 10 years ago. And I mean, we all know Kanye's saga, his life story at this point. And where he just is as a person, I see him as a provocateur, you know, as somebody who drives discussion around himself, especially at a yeah, crucial time for, before you drop an <laughs> album. I think this is really what he's doing. If you're really getting worked up about Kanye, take a step back and maybe just find someone else to, to be your political He's leader. lived in Calabasas with the Kardashians for a long time now, right? He's been a wealth, wealthy, not normal person right. for <laughs> 10 plus years, right? He's not like, and like, you know, everyone's throwing back a George Bush meme. Kanye West doesn't care about black people. And it's like, you know what? Uh, whatever he tells himself, he doesn't relate to normal black people or the plight of normal black people, right? He's not no. actually doing much in Chicago the way Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa are, despite being a Chicago artist like them. So if you were looking for Kanye to be this leader, even 
I guess what people would rather him be would be like Jay-Z and Beyonce. They don't really speak about like political issues, but you know what side they're on. And I think people are just annoyed that Kanye right. is talking like he might be on the other side. But again, he hasn't actually said much to make say that declaratively. So I think it's a lot about nothing. It's just unfortunate that because of you know how high profile all of it is. But I hope the album's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, we're going to be finding that out in about a month from when you're probably listening to this podcast. So a lot of stuff to be looking forward to. And we found out today that Ray Shremert is going to be dropping their, was it triple album this coming Friday? Shrem with three for the E slash Swaycation slash Jimtro triple disc. I'm wondering what the runtime on this album is going to be because... Uh, Two hours. I have a long less. car ride this weekend, <laughs> but we'll see. Before we get too far into our discussion, because we have a lot of lot to get to today. Obviously, Post Malone, Janelle Monet, which we both tweeted about, and are very excited to break down in Avengers: Infinity War. Which we are also very excited to break down. But hit that subscribe button, share us with friends, tell everybody to come and check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes. Google Play, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're pretty much there. Dave, this Post Malone guy, I mean, <laughs> he's really for these these youngins nowadays. I, I see a lot of tweets from, I think, accounts that gear towards teenagers on Twitter that post Post Malone videos of him singing Plain White Tees or Group Love Tongue Tied, and people are just like, oh, how could you not love Post Malone? And I don't. Uh, I listened to his, his most recent album, Beer Bongs and Bentleys. That's his second one. And I, I did not love this album at all. But tell me why I should love this guy. No, I I'm, I don't like Post Malone either. I've never been impressed with his music. But like you said, he's quite popular. And that's kind of why I find him interesting, just because I try to understand why the fuck so many people care. And his debut project, Stony, came out December 2016. We didn't even review it because it wasn't very good. And, you know, I'm usually the one bringing, bringing the hip hop projects to you if anything yep. and i didn't want to waste your time with it it wasn't worth listening to <laughs> before that obviously brushed on a scene with white iverson and then he had go flex as his next song and you were there at the meadows when we saw him right i think you like came in at the end of the set oh yeah that's right I, the first I year don't even remember he only that, had those yeah. two songs at that time then stoney mm. comes out a few months later congratulations with quavo gets really big uh, i fall apart gets really big and these are songs that just they keep, they're racking up the streaming numbers and they're just kind of lingering on the hot 100 chart for a long time i mean to that point stoney has been on the billboard 200 chart for albums for 71 weeks basically as soon as it came out i mean 2 weeks ago it was ninth like that's solely off streams. He's just driving so many streams. He's so fucking popular. And that's despite the fact that his music is pretty mediocre. And he's also been kind of controversial because if you remember years ago, I thought he'd be a lock for XXL uh, freshman because he's so popular. He, he had hits and he was like not about hip hop at the time and didn't want to be on it. And like he had those controversial comments about if you want to feel something, don't listen to hip hop. I listen to Bob Dylan and people are like, oh, well, you say that and then your biggest hits about fucking bitches and popping pillies so like what do you really stand for exactly so like culture vulture charges there's some merit to that i guess but now we have beer bongs and bentley's his first album since being this total force in streaming and first of all he does not have the lyrical content to justify the 64 minute runtime <laughs> nor the versatility or variety i mean what, what did you think of the long listen so 
I opened this up on Friday and I saw how long it was and I was like, I don't have this much time to give to Post Malone at this point. Especially when the Janelle Monet record we're going to talk about, I'd rather give my time listening to that twice through right. than listen to a Post Malone album. I'd listened to it today and it really just, I was at work, but I, was, I, had a, I had a lot of time to kind of get some, some paperwork done and it really just all blended together except for a couple of songs that seemed like he was taking some risks kind of stood out but overall just very underwhelming I, I guess i don't really know if i if i can say that when my expectations for it were pretty low to begin with because right. i even thinking back to that meadows set i asked everybody oh how'd you like him and they were like oh pretty good you know he played those songs i know and then he did some covers and i was like fleetwood mac i believe yeah and that i was like postponed just fleetwood mac which i found strange but i think he just pulls off of that like nostalgia early 2000s emo mm-hmm. indie rock basically, and throws that out there for his fans to kind of like uh, swoon over and make big. But to talk about the streaming numbers, I was looking at how this album's doing. It's already eligible to go platinum. Right. That's just off the singles because Rockstar was a number one hit and it's crazy. Unbelievable. Dude does numbers. Is there anything redeemable about this album? Anything worth listening to? It's produced very well. And what I mean by that is Post Malone doesn't have a great voice. Uh, I don't even think he, he would say that. But it's made in such a way that they make his voice sound as good as they possibly can. Um, like it's mixed well. I think there's some decent beats on here. But like I said, it's very lyrically deficient, which again, <laughs> funny from a guy who called out the content of rap in the past. But it's a lot of trap anthems about what you expect. People are talking up Zach and Codeine, Disney Channel reference, and didn't stand out to me at all. Rockstar, I think, has the best line on the album. But it's not from Post Malone. It's 21 Savage when he says <laughs> why he got a 12-car garage but only got six cars. Like, that's yeah. fucking, that's hard <laughs> as hell. That was great. <laughs> 21's great on that song. Yeah, he's just so mean. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, some bitches, I didn't mind you easier YG on that track, but it's still pretty generic. I thought 92 Explorer sounded at least more unique than most of it. That's towards the end. And Candy Paint is a really popular song already. That was on the Fate of the Furious soundtrack. So that song's a year old. I actually thought Stay stood out just because it was so different from the rest of the album. It's basically like this acoustic song where he's exploring this unhealthy relationship with a partner or an ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. on it, which I actually think might be a lane that he could maybe be successful in is moving more towards what the, these type of covers that he does because it's obvious that a lot of his fans like that. You know, in, in a way, we talked about this with X Tentacion, and it just seems like he doesn't really have a feeling for who he is as an artist completely yet. Mm-hmm. And when you become popular off something that you pretty much openly bash, I think that makes sense that he's stuck between doing something that maybe he doesn't feel totally 100% is real, is real art and then not being good enough, and good enough at what he actually wants to do right but it just kind of leaves him feeling like a pretty hollow artist in general yeah and i mean and also like he kind of came out through hip-hop but he's not really much of a rapper he's he's just a mediocre singer if anything but that's despite the fact that he's cool with most of the people in hip-hop again songs with quavo yg Jeezy, sway lee's on here he's hip-hop a j at worst but again he's not really making rap he's really popular with gen z's and can't really say why i guess they just relate to his shallow lyrics i i can't explain it but he's not yachty man he's not gonna go away i see them very similarly him and yachty i don't don't know if that's maybe fair to say but just where they kind of are at with two albums each under their belt someone that seems to have refined her craft though is our girl the queen big boys breakout discovery janelle monet from atlanta georgia her album dirty computer probably the achievement of the year to this point you know doing a lot of reading around this album something that 
surprised me, but then on second thought, it made a lot of sense was how Prince was so involved with this album before he, he tragically passed. And I think the thing about this album that probably is more Prince-like than anything, because there's a lot of his sound on it, but just what she's talking about and the way that she talks about her own sexuality, her own self-acceptance on this album really stands out. I know that she did a Rolling Stone article that you tweeted about the day before. Tell me a little bit about that and what, what came out of that. There was a really good New York Times profile and then like a Rolling Stone interview as well. I think the New York Times one's really good if you want to learn about her early career, her come up and stuff. Just a really good summary of her career that's more in-depth than Wikipedia. I recommend that. But in the Rolling Stone interview, I think, was actually kind of groundbreaking because she came out as bisexual slash pansexual. And that's something that had long been rumored based off her comments about her own sexuality and her you know androgynous attire throughout her career but she's kind of it kind of goes back into her uh, earlier music she's kind of used this identity uh cindy mayweather as this like android character in her albums and it's almost like she was suppressing her own identity in her music or almost like holding herself back and now that she's just kind of being more open about uh, who she really is again in this time great for that to finally happen especially for someone who's been so successful for so long but i think it also benefits the album where she again is more personal if there was ever any critiques for her really good first two albums in the ap it would be that it didn't feel as personal didn't really feel like an artist but that's not a problem anymore on dirty computer no i mean even from the get-go crazy classic life has a lot of different topics about her own personality and her own identity that she talks about on it so that's, that's the second track on the album um she opens up with a, a song dirty computer with brian wilson which is also just awesome that she's collaborating with an artist of brian wilson's level stevie wonders on this album you know there's a lot on here to like and i think the thing that stands out to me is just the sound really flows without a hitch from hip-hop to rap right. to soul to funk like all throughout it and you know i think the thing that we were both talking about was that transition from screwed which might be my favorite song of this year yeah zoe kravitz also awesome on that song to django jane and the power in her voice that kind of comes through on those two songs that's like my mood for like the year right at this point like just inject that straight into my veins i, mean, I think if there's a critique of the album it's that most of the good songs are crammed together between tracks like <laughs> five through nine more or less yep. Like, screw Django Jane, Pink, Make Me Feel. That's yep. three singles and screwed, like, all in a row. It's just this great, cra crazy run. And like you said, the transition is incredible. I mean, I was retweeted by one of the producers on that song, mm -hmm. and his whole timeline was just people saying how much they love that transition. So apparently it's a very popular observation for the album. <laughs> what other moments or what else about the album really stood out to you? Yeah, no, I, th I think like I said... It blends so many genres so seamlessly. Nothing feels out of place or, you know, fake or anything. Again, this is not unusual for Janelle. I think, heck, even sequencing hits together on Electric Lady, Queen, and the title track were back-to-back. -back. That's like yep. 10 minutes of greatness right there. But all these genres, there's poppy feels. Django Jane is just straight hip-hop. Uh, but then ov overall feeling of R&B and funk and then to blend that with continued themes of sex positivity and feminism and black feminism specifically, I think mm. it's an empowering record that also sounds fantastic. I don't have a lot negative to say. It's it's a great, I think it's the, easily the best record we've reviewed this year. Again, only April 30th, but it's really Lord, great. Lord dropped this time last year and that was our album of the year. Well, I, I, was, so I was looking at that. I was like, so Kendrick was like March 30th and then Lord was actually early June. So, Oh, really? Yeah. It feels like I, I kept so feeling like Lord was like April, right? But it felt like the first it half was of June. the year. Like, Weird. Wow. 
kind of crazy. You know, just one other moment that I keep talking about crazy classic life, but the bass at the end when she kind of just starts rapping is almost like like Kendrick's song I, where like the end of that song is just like the bass going nuts. And it's not to that like flea level where people are like, who is that bassist? But it's so subtle and just the way it like kicks and flows through that end. If you're just listening for those little things, they have those little gems hidden throughout these songs. Just a masterclass in production and composition and lyricism and, and messaging. Yeah, this album is it's an a for sure it has a 92 on metacritic for 17 reviews so that's very high very strong just thinking about what other albums might even be up there with it casey musgraves came to mind but i can't really think of another album that i've enjoyed to this level yet this year no i don't think uh Caliucus, perhaps oh yeah that, that's that's a good one yeah definitely gonna be thinking about that a little bit but why don't we jump into infinity war because there's so much here <laughs> so much to digest i want to bitch a little bit i want to clear out the lane and just talk about theater etiquette real quick oh uh, please i have no patience for that either the worst theater experience of my life packed theater friday afternoon at 120 in new rochelle sat next to a older couple who the wife had no idea who any of the characters were. So every time a new character came on the screen, she turned to her husband and not whispering, but basically just said, oh, who's this? <laughs> every single character is like, you're, you went to Infinity War, which we're going to talk about this, but you kind of had to know who these characters were going into this to maybe get the full effect. Then the person in front of us, their phone went off three times and they just refused to shut it off or turn the ringer off. The end of the movie, this family that uh, four the parents brought their like young young children like five or six kids were tired by the end of a two and a half hour movie that they didn't really care about literally playing games and watching videos on their parents phone at volume on um, during like the most emotional parts of the movie i just heard come on man everybody's been to a theater at this point know your etiquette bring headphones if you, like plan for it if you're gonna talk in the theater too whisper <laughs> They're right next yeah. to you. It's it's a second level of being a dick to do it at normal <laughs> volume. Exactly. Oh, man. It was a very frustrating experience, but that probably means I'll go see this again. I wish I bought popcorn more because like, I've heard people, like, I would throw popcorn at people. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, you rude, <laughs> self-centered asshole. And also, like, to do it on opening day of the highest yeah. grossing opening weekend Crazy. of the 18th movie in a series, why are you there? <laughs> on the very first day, if you don't know what the fuck's going on. She was obviously just with her husband who knew everything, but it's just like... It's like oh, your FOMO won't kick in, but you won't be able to say anything to your friends anyway. Like, it's just you're overcompensating or something <laughs> i agree but you mentioned this is the biggest opening for not only a superhero movie but any movie ever not only domestically but worldwide with domestically 250 million worldwide 630 million dollars grossed and just uh, unbelievable numbers but we knew that that this movie was going to be huge with everything that marvel's been leading up to this thing had to be a hit it's at 86 percent on rotten tomatoes does that seem right for you yeah i mean if you look at it, it's like 200 plus positive reviews and like 40 something negative that sounds about right and actually the, the box office estimates are actually updated now it's 258 million domestic oh. and like 640 worldwide so it's the biggest global launch of all time past force awakens for biggest domestic didn't have the biggest thursday like fourth place there but it had the biggest pure friday biggest saturday and biggest sunday but uh just did work and it didn't, wasn't as front-loaded as some Marvel movies have been. Now, one caveat, if you adjusted The Force Awakens for inflation, it would be at 262. But either way, it's uh, very impressive. 258 very impressive. million. I mean, like, we didn't have a $100 million opener until, like, Spider-Man. You know, that was less than 20 years ago. So it's crazy, crazy. How, how far we've come. But yeah, it's a total hit for sure. I mean, my theater had people in the front row. 
in the afternoon and yours was pretty packed as well people are definitely talking about there's so many pieces out about the movie yeah i mean it's hard not to talk about this like we previewed last week check that out soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod or on our youtube page subscribe follow and comment there this is something that marvel has been building up to for over a decade this is a movie that has what over 20 25 characters who have been named and had major roles in past movies and this is a very difficult project to pull off the phrase a lot of balls in the air juggling a lot of balls in the air has been thrown around with this movie but the russo brothers didn't really drop that many i felt and that that's a credit to them you know you have so many big names chris evans chris hemsworth chris pratt chadwick boseman Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo, so many people that need to get their turn in this and to pull it off where it didn't seem to have any real effect on the way the plot moved, any of like the real stories, and everybody seemed to be at least serviced. I think maybe Chadwick Boseman took the biggest hit in you know getting the least amount of screen time. Really impressed with the Russo brothers, not only for moving things along in that way, but building Thanos up as a villain and making this movie pretty funny at times. Yeah, I agree. I think they did a great job of picking what characters got paired up and separated. Obviously, that many characters can't all be together for a whole movie. So I think they did a good job with making those decisions. And like, I mean, yeah, I thought this movie was fucking hilarious, dog. Yeah. Whether it was Doctor Strange and, and Spider-Man, whether it was the Guardians and Thor, uh, fucking Captain America and Groot. There were so many funny moments. Like laugh Drax. out loud. Yeah, Drax was hilarious. <laughs> that that slow motion was yeah. that, that slow motion joke was hilarious. How long have you been there? An hour. <laughs> Just one no, I think hilarious. my favorite was I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? <laughs> yeah. They did a really good job of making the quips land. I mean, I think some of Downey's stuff is getting a little bit worn out, but that's been a character we've seen do this almost every year for the past ten years. And I think the interesting point about that is it's not so much that Stark is less endearing so much as that there's just more sass in the marvel cinematic universe now with ragnarok changing thor with rocket raccoon and even dr strange is a lot like tony there's just a lot of funny characters now that are snarky so tony almost doesn't feel as unique now it's, it's kind of strange because i mean he was leader of that after so long and now there's so many people that you like doing it why don't we kind of start with just talking about the plot of this movie so i guess from here on out probably we're going to be doing some spoilers and we're probably going to be giving away some parts of the movie so if you have not seen the movie and you were like oh i really want to hear nostalgia talk about this we recommend pausing it go watch the movie and then come back and let's talk about it let's 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 see what what you liked about it or bookmark what you didn't. that shit Hit it to your YouTube watch later. It'll be here. So basically, this is a MacGuffin-filled movie where it's they're trying to get these Infinity Stones, uh, or Thanos is trying to get these Infinity Stones, and the whole movie is just based around him going different places and finding it. It opens up right in the middle of an action scene, or at the end of an act of a, a scene of action with Thor and Loki basically being vanquished, and our guy Loki gives up the i don't even remember what stone that space is. space stone that space was stone. the tesseract then it was in his staff thing he attempts to kill thanos and loki the first casualty of infinity war which we predicted last week seems like a pretty obvious choice then it kind of moves into there on earth what's going on hey don't don't, don't shaft idris heimdall died too oh that, that's a good point <laughs> shout out idris man i, I feel like he's probably thrilled <laughs> Yeah, he, he's like, thank God I'm not in these anymore. Yeah, so Bruce Banner goes back, tells everybody, Thanos' henchmen right. come, and it basically kicks off this whole thing where they're in these different parts of the world or different parts of the universe finding these stones. 
I mean, to say that Thanos is one of the best Marvel villains isn't necessarily saying much. We talked about that on our Black Panther podcast about how Killmonger is just so head and shoulders above pretty much everybody else except for maybe Loki. But Thanos is definitely number two, I think, to Killmonger for me, especially when you take this guy whose whole, I don't know, his whole purpose is to kill half the universe's population to... Mm reduce war and gotta save those resources dog he's a realist but you make him kind of sympathetic and at times i was kind of like he's got some good points until he started using hitler lines i was like you know what this guy just a little misunderstood like killmonger (laughs) yeah exactly brolin to be this big purple creature and give that part the gravitas that he did is Mm -hmm. so impressive. I mean, I I don't really even know what else to really say about it. What was your uh, reaction to Brolin's performance? He's a CGI villain. We don't have a good history of that. We just had a really bad one with Steppenwolf and Justice League. Doesn't take much for CGI villains to be horrible. But like you said, not only is the portrayal by Brolin surprisingly strong, but they build him up and they make him sympathetic in a certain sense. You kind of understand his motivations, where he's coming from. They kind of make him mortal. He's not just all-powerful being before he gets all the stones anyway. I think he's at least number two. Another thing, too, is by design, he's the most imposing and threatening villain we've ever had in any Marvel movie, so I think that gets him a lot of points as well. So yeah, I think you'd put him above Loki and above Vulture, and Killmonger and him kind of serve different purposes in the movies, but... I was very impressed with Thanos. That was not something I was, you know, certain of going in. I wasn't sure how much of a big, bad plot vehicle he was going to be in, but I was impressed. You know, they they do humanize him as well with the storyline between him and Gamora, you know, his background there. So Gamora is his adopted daughter, along with Nebula, and really didn't give a fuck about Nebula. Pretty much is torturing her when we first see Nebula in this movie, but Gamora he cared about, and to get the soul stone has to sacrifice Gamora. So RIP Gamora, our third major loss in this movie. I gotta be honest, I was a little surprised that I didn't think Gamora would be gone until at least the second movie. So, I mean, that that was their first major, I think, surprise in terms of deaths right. in this. What was that scene like for you? That's an interesting scene because they go to that mountain and kind of has a very surprising guess or person there. Even before that, there's a lot of space in this movie. And initially when the, you meet the Guardians, it says space on the bottom, which is a great laugh moment. <laughs> but there's a lot of space stuff. A lot of it was color. This movie didn't look as much like the Atlanta Disney lot as other Marvel movies do, which I thought was a nice touch. But yeah, we're in space a lot. And one of those planets is the one you're mentioning, where Gamora reveals to him where the Soul Stone is. And it's on this random planet, wherever. And fucking Red Skull is there. The villain of Captain America, the first Avenger, who was whisked away by the Tesseract, the Space Stone, back in 2011. And we didn't know. We just kind of assumed he died or was in some other dimension. And now he's there, tortured by the Soul Stone because he cannot wield it. And I was like, wow, that's an awesome callback. I doubt we ever see him again. You don't have to, like, tell us he died or anything. But I was like, wow. Like, I gasped a lot. I was like, oh. (laughs) I swear to God, that that fucking shook me. That was so cool. I honestly, like, did a double take. I was like, is that... Red Skull? Like, I, I couldn't even, like, believe that they had that much thought to tie that in. Not voiced by Hugo Weaving this time, but it doesn't matter. Right. No, it does not matter. Yeah, he already left Transformers. It wouldn't make sense for him to come back to Marvel. He's not a big fan of these movies. But mm-hmm. really cool touch. Something that cool piece of fan service that doesn't matter here or there, but it's nice to see. So, yeah, so he sacrifices Gamora, has all these stones. Then it gets to probably the most frustrating scene in the movie for myself so basically there he goes back to was it titan is his planet right and you have captain america you have peter parker spider-man 
Doctor Strange, the Guardians, all there, basically waiting to ambush him and try to get his what, like get the gla- get the Infinity Gauntlet off his hand. Stop, stop him before he gets the goes to Earth to take this last stone from Vision. Yeah, his big mitten. So they're basically getting it off after this pretty awesome, great scene. Quill finds out, you know, Star Lord finds out that Gamora was sacrificed, and he punches this dude in the face and ruins the whole thing. And I was like, man. Not only does that fucking suck, but why didn't they just chop that dude's head off? I guess the argument would be the second like they start to kill him, he would wake up and like fight them back. But come on, one fell swoop. There, there's even a scene in one of the Guardians where Drax says, oh, "I wouldn't slit his throat; I'd cut his head clean off." Like, <laughs> come on, Drax, where were you, man? Like, call the audible there. A few things in that scene kind of bring a, a criticism slash point about the movie where this movie does not stand alone in the slightest. I think part of that is if you're watching that scene and you don't really know much about these characters, then you don't really understand Quill's decision. You don't. You, you, you just get so angry seeing that because you don't understand his personality, let alone his love for Gamora. You wouldn't even understand why Mantis, someone who was barely even acknowledged by the other characters thus far, why her touching Thanos' head is doing anything to him, right? But I think because Quill's a character that, you know, we've all come to appreciate and really get to know through the two Guardians movies, I saw it coming and I was like, wow, it sucks. But yeah, that sounds about right. That's a good point. I think it just angers me so much that he is such an emotionally driven character like that. And I think we're going to be talking more about how this movie plays into the other 18 movies that came before it in a little bit. I mean, well, also to that scene, uh, we mentioned Loki died and Heimdall died as well. And Gamora, and I was like, when Tony gets stabbed, I was like, oh, I actually like feared for Stark for the first time ever. I was like, oh, is he actually gonna die now? Is it gonna happen? You know, I, I thought it was in play. Probably my favorite scene in the movie, or my favorite moment in the movie, came in that scene too, when Doctor Strange just decides to finally be Doctor Strange and do his whole like eight arm, mm-hmm. ten leg thing, and becomes like a, a thousand of him with the whip right. wrapped around him. That was just like I I want to see that in a Doctor Strange movie. Just total psychedelia. Yeah. But the Tony piece, I actually thought he was about to die there, and then to see Strange kind of sacrifice the time stone in that way was moving. But also, I think after you hear the conversation that he has with Strange when he's going through all the scenarios, you know it's some part of some larger sacrifice he knows he right. has to make in that moment. The end game. Right, and then so kind of moving forward to the end of the movie, big battle in Wakanda, where basically they went to go figure out how to get the, not the time stone. The mind stone. The mind stone out of Vision's head. And first of all, just kill Vision, please. Just Mm -hmm. (laughs) the dude, I mean, I think that was probably the the biggest criticism for me was I'm supposed to care about Scarlet Witch and Vision. I did not buy that romance at all, and I didn't give a fuck about Vision because kind of the same thing as Westworld. I know he's become more sentient as the movies have gone on, but he's still a robot, and I don't care about him as a human being. I, I know Captain America is... He's all about, we don't we don't sacrifice one life for another, but dude, this is a, a computer's life. Like, <laughs> take his life right now. Save the universe, man. Basically, just to finish up the movie, ends up this big battle, some really awesome moments in the battle that we'll, we'll get to, but Thanos gets the stone, flicks his fingers and half the universe population die including 17 of our heroes is it that many it's a lot of them there was a lot maybe it was like 15 like 14 but it's like all the guardians except rocket bucky black panther falcon spider-man koye dr strange scarlet witch yep in the post-cred scene Nick Fury and Maria Hill (laughs) right spider-man which was also a pretty moving scene seeing spider-man die with 
Stark right there. I think that's a great moment where, I mean, the whole movie is a showcase for why Holland is an amazing Peter Parker. The it best. just builds off what we had in Homecoming, but also builds off of the relationship he has with Tony that was in Homecoming. And that's not that's something you probably don't fully appreciate if you haven't seen Homecoming. Right. Um, and probably Iron Man as well. But having it bookend with hammering home the fact that Peter Parker's a kid, Spider-Man's a kid. He's always the youngest person there, even if he can hang with the adults. And, you know, the fear that he had when he was about to die. And obviously, we'll get to this, but not that I have any long-term fear for Tom Holland's Peter Parker. But I thought it was actually effective, whereas the other ones weren't weren't so much. Yeah, the second most emotional death for me was Root. <laughs> you know when who we've already seen die in a movie one time pretty right. much I mean, <laughs> technically not die but you see Groot starting to evaporate and Rocket's like oh Groot and I just like <laughs> first of all shout out to Bradley Cooper being able to do a voice role just that well but right. I heard a theory that the reason Rocket didn't die is because he's not totally like one species he's like a, uh, I don't know like basically like a mutant or oh that's like a, that's that, a so. good that's a good idea yeah, I like that, that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and also T'Challa dying. You know, you, he's mm-hmm. one of the first ones to go, and it's like that was the moment I was like, like, "Holy shit!" Like, okay. <laughs> what remains is all the OG Avengers and Rhodey. It's it's kind of the original team again, which I think is actually a, a interesting way to frame the next movie, where inevitably they're going to undo most of this. Definitely. We didn't really talk about Thor much. I mean, him and, and Rocky were on their own little like side quest for a while to get like a axe for Thor, which. Also, like, shout out Peter Dinklage with, I, I don't know if it's a good performance, but it's a performance <laughs> as this big... Everything Thor does is probably the least plot-driven of the movie besides the beginning scene where Loki dies and stuff. I thought everything that he had with the Guardians was great because they kept his Ragnarok new character persona, his funny quips and, you know, his headbutting with Quill and Drax getting in on that too. I thought it was really worked really well. But I did think the scene with Peter Dinklage scenes with Peter Dinklage and Rocket, I thought that went a little too long. Yeah. It's a long movie. Nothing really dragged for me, but I did think that that didn't need to be that much just because like, yeah, I know he's gonna succeed with the star and getting his hammer. Right. Let's speed it up a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. I-, I thought the most effective part of that was just seeing Groot be come from being this annoying adolescent tree to give sacrificing a part of himself for this and kinda of getting back in the fight. Also, my my favorite line from Thor who Chris Hemsworth killed it in this movie. He was fantastic yeah. once again. But when he goes, "This is my friend Tree," just the way he like <laughs> delivered that, so perfect. Hell yeah! And then and then that that scene where he shows up in that final battle was just like one of the moments of the movie for me. What other moments stood out for you in this? See, I mean, I think actually underrated moment was when the Guardians meet up with Peter, Tony, and Strange, and they initially start fighting. You know, because they. Don't assume that they're allies. They're like, oh, that was great. That was a lot like a mini a Civil War airport scene all over again. Then again, a lot of these characters meeting for the first time. It starts off early with uh, Strange and Stark. There's a lot of good stuff. And then even like when Cap first shows up out of the shadows, yeah. and everyone's like, "Fuck yeah!" Because like yeah. Cap hasn't been around since the end of Civil War. Like, what have they been doing? And I actually liked the Vision Scarlet Witch thing. Like we said last week. Not that anyone cares about those characters, but I do kind of feel like even if it won't work for most people, you kind of owe it to them to kind of give them a little something. Right. If they're going to be a little more integral to the plot than, say, a Hawkeye. So I was okay with it. And considering Vision's going to be, Vision himself is like a a little MacGuffin. Give him a little something to justify the screen time, you know? So I was cool (laughs) with that. Overall, you know, Cap and even 
Wakanda in general, not in the movie as much as you thought. There's a lot of space stuff in here. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think it's a problem. I didn't mind. How did you feel about Hulk not really being in the movie except in the beginning when he gets his fucking ass handed to him by Thanos? I was pretty annoyed, honestly. Like, I just wanted Banner to be able to, like, call him out and see him bond mm-hmm. that way. But, you know, you still saw Banner be in the fight and, like, I forgot what the name of it. It's, like, the big... The Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, the, the Hulkbuster armor. There you go. So that, that was pretty cool. And, you know, he still did some Hulk-like things in that. You know, I think the going back to it, though, Captain America is becoming, I think, so much more interesting as he's going getting older. Like, I don't know what him and Black Widow and a falcon are doing they're apparently they're like some black ops program but like i just kind of want a like a captain america movie where he's just like kicking ass doing black ops stuff yeah that'd be fucking awesome but chris evans is just such a good actor dude exactly he carries that role so well like they really lucked out with hemsworth evans and, and Downey jr i mean like what a three to build around just to kind of give a little more shine to tom holland not only is he the best peter parker we've had but to fall into him as the next person we're building around if they're able to bring him back i mean i guess that's there's the you have if. some doubts you say yeah not 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 really but we don't know for certain like we can't say oh he'll be back but it's pretty certain we do know homecoming 2 goes into production in july but don't tell anyone who saw the movie that right <laughs> but he's just fantastic and mag- magnetic that moment was strange oh we're using our, uh, our superhero names <laughs> like or we're using our fake names here or he's only like, 21 uh, too like he's like a true cornerstone for the mcu moving forward unbelievable and he delivered maybe some of my favorite lines not only the alien reference but that was awesome when quills uh suggesting like a dance battle for the fate of the universe and he's like oh like like footloose like yeah the best movie ever he's like it never was like (laughs) perfect that 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 whole like back and forth was fantastic yeah man i mean this movie had a lot of awesome moments that final battle scene still sticks with me when uh scarlet witch was about to die at the hands of what proxima maxima 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 yeah and then she's like you're gonna die alone and whatever and then like she's not alone bitch but not yeah <laughs> and okoy and black widow and her are fighting that's shout out carrie coon our girl keep getting them roles yeah how'd you feel about those four black order people i thought the first two ebony maw the squidward guy he was yeah. actually like imposing and like really imposing. effective and i mean he captured strange like i thought he was actually like more effective the other ones uh, there's kind of cgi punching bags yeah exactly which you do have to have some of those type of roles at times you can't build up every villain's backstory i think or this movie would have been three hours long right it was already a pretty long movie so why don't we move into the the deaths at the end because you you seem pretty convinced that they're all coming back thanos has all the stones but one of those stones is time stone we know by virtue of contracts and deadline.com and the hollywood (laughs) reporter that Black Panther and Spider-Man will return, and Doctor Strange probably too. So some of these people have to come back, and it's probably up to that OG Avengers team. Maybe mm-hmm. Hawkeye and Ant-Man help them. They'll come yeah. up. They'll, they'll hang out. <laughs> I know, poor Hawkeye. He's just trying to flip homes in LA, and he's yeah. like, God damn it. Took like, that deal with the government on house arrest, <laughs> flipping homes from his, yeah. from his home. So they're going to have to figure it out, but will all of them come back? I don't know. I think the deaths that will stick, and I'll be very pissed if they don't stick, are Loki, Heimdall, and Gamora. Because those happened before he had all the stones, so he probably can't bring them all back. I don't know how the rules work in this, but the thing is, like, when I saw that final scene, and it ends with Thanos achieving his mission, he's fucking watching the sunrise on his planet. I was like, oh, wow, dark. But watching Black Panther disintegrate, I'm like, this is not going to stick. I just know it doesn't. So it's like 
this movie gave you real stakes, setting it off from the start. Like, I feared for Tony dying when he got stabbed. But at the end, it takes them all away because I'm like, yeah, but I know these deaths don't really matter. Maybe the other ones don't either. So it didn't stop me from enjoying the movie. I think the movie's just a nonstop ride, and anyone who's right. watched all the Marvel movies will just find so much to love about it. But it's still, at the end, feels like a not so much an ending so much as like we're just going to put a period here exactly. and you'll have to wait to see what happens next year you'll never guess what it is but but it's a period in the middle of the of a sentence even it's not even a complete sentence because you basically you don't get any any aftermath of it you know it's, it's, it ends right. pretty abruptly to pull in something you mentioned earlier we do see a bit of a hint about how they're going to approach this in the the scene after the credits where Nick Fury sends out a message to Captain Marvel, right? Brie Larson's soon-to-debut Marvel a superhero. And also, I don't really know this storyline that well, but Ant-Man apparently has abilities to do some sort of, I don't know if it's time travel, but like other dimension type stuff in the comics. Oh, right. Some stuff about that. Was it his, was it, was it Hank's like mom or whatever? Like uh, Michael Douglas's like wife? Was like someone who was trapped? Hope Van Dyne was like trapped in like that dimension or something? That's right. There was some extra shit going on, Ant-Man. I forgot about that. So it sounds like they're going to have a bit of a role. It also kind of sets it up where the OG Avengers might have to sacrifice themselves for the new order or what, or however right. that goes. I think that's kind of how it, how it will happen. Maybe the, the Soul Stone factors into that. You know, nothing is free kind of deal. And I actually am kind of happy, given the way they split the characters for Infinity War, I wouldn't have wanted Cap or Tony to actually die in it because they need to meet again you know after the fallout from civil war they need to have one more on-screen interaction so does thor survive i can't go say one way or other who doesn't or won't make it i just know that most of those new characters will be back maybe not all of them will i mean are you gonna kill off falcon are you gonna kill off some of the guardians if you want but it's really the ogs that we're gonna care about at the end of the day that's gonna be the tough thing i mean you're right about the soul stone like nothing is free it's gonna be interesting because having someone like chris evans or robert Downey jr it's just kind of like there to call in every once in a while in a movie and be like that voice on the end, other end of a phone or like that video in like the tower directing them or, or playing like that guiding role is so valuable but at the same time these guys don't really want to do it anymore mm-hmm. chris evans is very open about that and robert Downey right. jr i'm pretty sure is also at that point hemsworth's a little different and i'm, I'm interested to see how they handle him because it it seems like he is a very logical person to just kind of write off as like a sacrifice, but like a heroic sacrifice in in this next movie. But he's been excellent. These last two movies and to kind of write him off during a hot streak seems silly. He also sounds very reinvigorated about the character now. Yeah. He wants Um, to make another Thor, right? Notable absences from this movie would be Valkyrie and Korg from Ragnarok. Yep. We assume they are in the 50% of the ship that lives Mm -hmm. and, uh, We'll just assume that because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what happened. But you know, Loki. This is Loki should be end here, but it doesn't need to be the end for Thor. When we figure out, you know, it's Captain Marvel and Guardians three. Like we're getting cosmic as fuck. So maybe Thor comes into one of those movies the way Iron Man came into Homecoming. Again, it's tough to really say without knowing more of the future. But yeah, I'm starting to come around the idea that Hemsworth might stick around. Definitely now. Something that you alluded to earlier was this New Yorker review by, I'm trying to pull up his name here real quick. Brody? Yeah, it's uh, Richard Brody, which talked about how this movie isn't really a movie. It's kind of an, an ad for the other Marvel movies, because mm-hmm. in order to really understand what happens in this movie, like Dave talked about earlier, you need to see 
most of, if not all of the movies before it. What do you think would be the essential movies to appreciate Infinity War? I'd say definitely the Guardians movies. Right, yeah. You need you, Well, you need to see both of those, yeah. Yeah. Civil War to understand like the state of the Avengers. Yep. Do you yeah, need think- Spider-Man and Doctor Strange? Maybe not, but they would help you understand those two characters. I mean, yeah, it's the, like the least amount of movies you need to see that. I think you could probably get by with those ones. Maybe, maybe like Black Thor Panther. Wakanda. You know, you don't know anything about the Wakanda people if you don't see Black Panther. So there's probably a good five or six. Oh, and you need to see Ragnarok because it basically yeah. takes place right after. It starts after right Ragnarok. after that. So can you see Ragnarok without seeing the other Thors? Eh, probably. But yeah, <laughs> so I, I think you, so. You probably need to see at minimum six movies, which is a right. big ask. Sure, but. It's been a decade. <laughs> Has anyone been able to? I mean, I'm, there's people, but anyone that follows movies or or likes superhero movies ha- has anyone avoided all 18 of these movies somehow? Unless you're like just a huge DC fan and are like, I just ride with mm-hmm. like the this new DC superheroes, which just choosing to like the wrong side at this point. <laughs> right. So I think like that's an like an easy like A.O. Scott kind of gets into this in the New York Times too, but like, I feel like it's. You know, it, it's a correct observation that this movie does not stand alone at all. It's neither is that the intention of the Russo brothers or Kevin Foggy. Right. This is a direct sequel to, like we said, probably five or six movies and then connected to all the other ones. But what I think people are kind of missing is that most Marvel movies do relatively stand alone. True. You don't need to see anything like Ant-Man, Black Panther, Doctor Strange. You can see those straight up. Doesn't matter. Guardians. Volume two, you just need to see the other Guardians, like a normal sequel. You know, it makes sense. Even Homecoming and Ragnarok. If you don't know who Tony Stark is, you don't know who the Hulk is, you probably can still appreciate those movies. So I don't think Marvel's like getting so in the weeds that you cannot understand anything they put out without seeing everything else. Unless it happens to be the crossover with fucking 25 characters. Then yeah, you probably won't get anything. So I don't think it's that big of a problem. But yeah, it's not like normal movies. That's by design. That's the larger point in this is we talked at length about how they've been building up to us and it's just kind of crazy that they finally got here. Building up to something means that there's other things come before it. And if you if you want to see this movie, you can go in like the lady next to me in the theater and just be like confused the whole time or just accept it like you're that you're you don't know these people, but and you'll figure mm-hmm. it out at the end. But if you really want to know what's going on in this universe you invest the time and that's the thing is that people who have invested the time are so are so into this movie and feel mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't know if honored is the right word but just like gratified by the experience that they've mm-hmm. put in this time and they're getting a quality crossover film that incorporates all these characters that they love it's it's so worth it like, i understand the critique and i think it's fair in a lot of ways right but at the same time i don't see anyone really going to avengers infinity war in the first weekend other than the lady next to me and being like oh, i know nothing about this let's let's see what this is all about let's jump in yeah. here like my my dad loves the marvel movies but he hasn't seen all of them pretty sure he saw Vol- guardians volume 2 before he saw the first one i'm like he'll ask me questions but he'll just go in like it's an ex- it's an accepted thing that you He's might not have known everything. That's okay. And it's funny because, like, to your point about the fans, I saw some comparisons going around to Last Jedi, which is a movie that, like, subverted and pissed off a lot of fans, despite being a great movie. And I think Infinity War totally makes the fans happy. Ten years in the ma- making, right? Like, it yeah. checks the boxes. But Infinity War is not that kind of ambitious storytelling. Like, there's nothing... 
this movie isn't doing anything new and last jedi was taking a risk so i, I think they're, they're, they're kind of apples and oranges to compare the two movies but of course because they're Close two together. gigantic movies it's natural Certainly. but it's weird that ant-man 2 is coming out in two months or three months in july because i think it's going to take place co-currently slash before so where it ends probably is in line with infinity war but it just will not feel as essential or as high stakes given that we had just seen infinity war yeah i could see something where like the after scene credit kind of pulls in something about you know all these like people disappearing or half the population disappearing and ant-man like getting some call or notification from somebody to help Mm -hmm. with this so definitely going to be interesting to see ant-man and also captain marvel i'm like super stoked for because they're setting that up to be such an important movie in this universe at this point and it's taking place in the 90s with uh nick fury without the eye patch and i think agent hill will be in that too but interesting they're bringing back ronin and korath jaman hanshu's character from guardians one they both die in guardians one and ronin was not a great villain but they're bringing them back and giving them like perhaps a chance to be a little better this time like you know that's a cool little thing because like fans will be like oh interesting we'll see how this goes and ben mendelson's gonna be the the bad guy i have very high hopes for captain marvel february march next year yeah i think right before the other the the next avengers drops which is supposed to be may next year so also people people have been speculating about the title of the new one right and they can't give it away because they or they can't they won't release it because they think it'll give something away right i remember zoe saldana last year she said you uh, yeah, all the Guardians are in uh, Infinity War. And then, uh, yeah, we have to go back to shoot uh, Gauntlet later this year. People are like, Gauntlet? Infinity Gauntlet? Is that the name of Avengers 4? <laughs> and then some people are like, oh, no, she misspoke. Some people are throwing around Avengers Endgame, which I'm like, ah, doesn't have a good ring to it. Gauntlet is awesome. I don't know. What do you Looking think they call it? To it. I, I, I think it's probably Gauntlet or something like that, just because I, I'm pretty sure that refers to something Captain Marvel related, right? Well, it's just the name, the Gauntlet, the name of Thanos' fist. Oh, okay there's gotta be another meeting to it i think if they do it so yeah i mean some people are thinking like avengers like reassembled or something like one of the taglines i don't know the ogs i just hope it's the ogs <laughs> we'll see any last thoughts on avengers anything we didn't get to smart choice they made in the beginning they do not show thanos going to xandar to yeah. get the power stone from guardians one didn't need to see that speed it up he, he killed everyone he got the stone good idea i think yeah like you said they could have cut some things out of this movie and sped up some of those scenes but overall i mean for as large as this movie was i think they they paced it pretty well yeah infinity war go see it janelle monet listen post malone you don't really have to kanye definitely listen i'm looking here he released another song called liftoff which i haven't heard well he released the two he released the freestyle and oh, the one with ti oh, the i haven't free... listened to liftoff yet or, or lift yourself sorry yeah that's the poopity scoopity song that song's trash I didn't even listen to that one yet. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, so a little less listening for myself, but I have like three hours of Ray Schremer to listen to this weekend. So got a lot to look forward to. Maybe we'll be reviewing some movies, maybe checking in on some TV shows uh, right. next week. If there's something he wants to talk about, hit us up at Nostalgia Pod, hit, hit myself up at Shane World Peace or Dave at Martin Swagger on Twitter.com quite the website. Any last thoughts for the people, Dave? Can't believe Twitter is free. <laughs> See you next week. Yeah.